You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. The Auxiliary Gate, big problem. But Secretariat is all alone. He's out there almost a sixteenth of a mile away from the rest of the horses. Secretariat is in a position that seems impossible to get. He's into the stretch. Secretariat leads his field by 18 lengths. And now Tricer Prince has taken second. And Mike Gallard has moved back to third. They're in the stretch. Secretariat has opened a 22-length lead. He is going to be the triple crown winner. Here comes Secretariat to the wire. An unbelievable, an amazing performance. He hits the finish 25 lengths in front. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 147 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, joined by my unforgettable co-host, Mr. Alan Schneider. He says that, everybody. He just forgot to introduce me, so we just started this bad boy over. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, how you doing? Happy Belmont week, right? Is my dog, in the, my dog howls in the background, so let me mute this microphone while you talk. Very excited. Very, the dog is very excited as, as he, as he should be. But, uh, Belmont Stakes coming up, uh, this Saturday, um, amidst a great, great card of horse races, uh, some of the best, uh, horses in North America taking part this weekend. Six grade one races on Saturday. And I think there's, uh, one or two on Friday, including the Kentucky Oaks winner. Pretty mischievous. But, uh, uh, if you listen to our opening, of course, Secretariat won the 1973. Belmont Stakes, and uh, in my mind, well, you know, probably if you if you rank Belmont Stakes in order of importance, that's uh, number one with a bullet. Oh yeah, you know, uh, Jason Beam, who I who I listened to religiously the other day, I think he he easily has the best podcast out there. Uh, mentioned it's probably the greatest horse racing moment ever, at least in this in the um, recent age, you know, the more modern televised age. And I, I gotta agree with him. I think it's of all the horse racing moments over time, that is the one that endures. And I was I was three years old when it happened. And so obviously I don't remember, but I've seen a million times. And it is the, I think it is the, uh, the horse racing moment that lingers. It, it, it just is 31 lengths. Incredible. It'll, it'll never, suddenly I know flight line was nice, but most people don't know flight line, right? The triple crowns are nice, but there was something um, that just resonated with that one. I was minus two when Secretary <laughs> won the Belmont, but uh, I, can you imagine the euphoria if you were backing that horse and you were just a big fan of the horse going into that race, and then he does that? That that would be as high as high of a moment that anyone could ever experience in the sport. I would say that that horse made a lot of fans that day. Yeah, and you know it was a different era back then. You know the crowds that you saw at Belmont; they were more prevalent uh, crowds. Uh, overall in horse racing back then so but also was a five it was a five horse field i know he was heavily odds on uh sham was second by 31 lengths you don't hear that all the time but uh so yeah i mean he should have won but it's 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 how he did it he he expanded the lead with the 109 with a 45 half and a 109 six furlongs going a mile and a half that's incredible so um if you know anything about the game, that is that one literally it was one of the greatest sports moments of all time, in my opinion. What are some other great sports moments outside of horse racing that you, off the top of your head, that you could think of? Oh like I, man, I wish you hadn't asked that because I'm going to sound like an idiot. But uh, I can think of a few off the top of my head that, that resonate. Like, I'm 53, so that, that that goes back to you know it's going to be a lot for my youth, my, my, my teens and 20s. And so there's just a couple that come off the top of my head. Yeah, hey, I, I, I can think of like. A, Hundreds and hundreds, because like the, the first one for whatever reason pops into my mind was David Tyree's catch in the uh, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, where he caught the ball on his helmet. <laughs> yes, that, but that's not that's not that's you know probably top one hundred. But that for some but reason it popped in, your, popped in it, it popped it, in my mind. When I when I asked you, the first thing that popped to my mind was Kirk Gibson hitting the homer off Dennis Dennis Eckersley. Uh, I saw that you know, live. It's ironic you said that because I just watched that the other day on YouTube. I just it just happened it, it popped up on my on my feed and I had to watch that and Vince Scully's call is uh, fantastic and uh, 
he, what about he, Lorenzo Lorenzo Charles at the dunk? Uh, the dunk to beat um, Houston in the title game in '83 for Jim Valvano running around the court. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Lots of basketball moments. Uh, you know, not a Kentucky fan, but you know, Christian Leitner it goes down in history. Um, but yeah, I mean, so secretary, it's up there. Yeah. If you think of anything, feel free to interject them as we go on this podcast. We should do we should do just a, a one off podcast on great sports moments. Oh, we could do a one off podcast and all. I would love to do one off podcast. I, I want Pete Il to come on here so we can simply talk music because uh, I think he and I really think along the same lines. I know Damon Thayer's gonna be on here next week. He and I think along the same lines of music. I know a lot of people do. I mean, there are a lot of people in my age range. But yes, we could do the whole sports moment thing. I think it's a great idea. I mean. I, I probably wouldn't know that many from the last 15 years. Hell, I hardly even follow sports anymore outside of football. But uh, the, the ones from my youth, they, they are ensconced pretty good. Right. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, a lot of content we could share there, I guess. So, uh, But uh, uh, we do have a guest this evening, and uh, we're going to talk about Belmont Stakes with her. And I believe we have her queued up and ready to go. So give us a brief second, and we'll be right back with you. Okay, uh, welcome back. Thank you for giving us a, a chance to catch our breaths. And now we've got our resident pedigree expert on the line right now, and that is Jessica Tugwell. And when she was on her show back uh, back in early spring, I believe, and, and she was fantastic. And now she joins us again to talk about the Belmont Stakes. Jessica, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? We're, we're glad to be here. The weather is beautiful in Kentucky, and uh, it's it's starting to get a little warm, and we need some rain. Mm, that is true. That is very true. <laughs> but the, the the bright side to, to no rain in Kentucky is I don't have to mow my yard. So you know, <laughs> give and take, give and take. So uh, first of all, Jessica, we want to uh, congratulate you. I believe I think you've got some uh, good personal news you you, you uh, in your life. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes, I got engaged recently, so I'm very excited about that, and that's good. <laughs> it's great, it's great, congratulations. What's his name again? You don't have to Jordan. give a last name, Jordan. Congratulations to Jordan. Jordan and Jessica, aw, J and J. J and J, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll have the same initials once we get married, so that'll be, that's cute, I guess. <laughs> just like Justin Timberlake, I don't think it's another JT, but while you guys talk, I'll think of other JTs. So in in the business you're in, you you know now you can't schedule a wedding on the Derby Day, Preakness Day. I mean, there's a lot of days you got to got to duck, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're we're aiming for September, so it'll probably end up as long as it's not like Super Saturday or something. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. Perfect. Does, Perfect. does he understand that? Does he? Usually, it's the in most relationships around here. It's usually the, growing up is like the, the women had to understand. But does he understand from your perspective how that? Works? Oh yeah. Yeah, he gets it. He's he's learning. Of course, the thing is, his birthday is um, the 21st of May. So that coincides with Preakness a lot. Yeah. So I've been like, you know, at some point, we're just going to have to go to the Preakness for your birthday, even though he, he doesn't really follow racing. He does like sports betting. And he had a he had a really good Kentucky Derby uh, undercard when he was betting because Web Slinger won. So oh. I'm like, you know what? We'll we'll take playing names and we'll uh we'll make a handicapper out of them. Is he a Spider-Man fan or something? Had, had yeah, good for him. I was wondering. I thought my 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 brother-in-law is a huge huge Marvel guy and uh, superhero guy. He doesn't better. He'd have been all over Web Slinger. So I'm glad somebody nailed it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So horse sales are, are ramping up, or the yearling sales are ramping up uh, starting in July. Is it, you, you getting mm-hmm. excited for that, getting ready for that, picking out uh, pedigrees, looking through those catalog pages? Oh, yeah, it's always exciting, and I'm excited. I should be um, on site for the Saratoga Select Sale, so that will be fun, and then hoping to go to Keeneland either for September or November later in the year. So. That's- Sarah, have you been to the Saratoga sale before? Yes, yes. I When I interned there in 2012 and 2013, I went, and then I think it was 2016, I also got it, a chance to go. Is that a more of a party than a horse sale? <laughs> I, I joke with my friends. I'm like, yeah, no, it's like a it's like a cocktail party where rich people throw their money away. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've it's heard experience. that. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to make that trip myself one day, but... Uh, all right. So uh, before we start, uh, give out your 
give out your business information or, or any way to contact you if, uh, or anybody listening that uh, might be interested in using your services? Yeah, um, the best way to reach me, honestly, is on Twitter, at StarryDay93. You can also subscribe to my blog, which is hawkstonebloodstock.substack.com. And uh, I can also be reached by email. It's just um, jessica.ray.tugwell at gmail.com. I got to find one that's a little easier. But <laughs> What uh, type of services do you provide? So I do um, – Pedigree consulting is really my thing. I do, I'm not an agent or anything like that, but I do uh, pedigrees. I do pedigrees and mating suggestions, things like that. Um, so if you have a mare that you know looking for stallions for next year, or if you have horses that you're looking at at the sales, and I also do uh, pedigree shortlist services. But um, you know, if, either way, if you have a shortlist and you want me to look, tell you about the pedigrees or vice versa, I can do all of that. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, let's get right into things. Of course, uh, the Belmont Stakes is a mile and a half, one trip around the Belmont Park Oval. And uh, this is a $1.5 million race. All carry 126 pounds this year. This is known as the test of the champion. And over the years, there's been a lot of champions make their mark in this race. And uh, this year's Belmont has a field of nine. And we're going to go through one through nine, and and Jessica's going to drop some knowledge on us, and then we'll, if we feel led to do so, we'll add on uh, our uh, our opinion as well. So, breaking from the rail, number one is Tappet Shoes, twenty to one on the morning line. I should, now Jessica, I'm going to probably steal your thunder, but uh, uh, Tappet has sired four Belmont Stakes winners: Tonalist, Creator, um, skipping one, Essential Quality, and the fourth one is. Taprit, did I say it? Taprit, tonalist, yeah. creator. That's four. Call. You got four, four now. That's four. That's four. So, uh, and he sired the inside too. And we'll start with Tappet Shoes. And uh, take it away, Jessica. Yeah. So Tappet Shoes, um, the most, you know, you already said Tappet, but to me, the most interesting thing about him is that this is a half brother to um, Cyberknife. Mm-hmm. So Perfect. you know that this mare can produce a quality horse. Um, you have Awesome again on the bottom, Distorted Humor. Uh, he's out of a Flower Alley mare. Uh, Flower Alley uh, was a stakes winner, grade one winner at 10 furlongs, of course. He's the sire of I'll Have Another. So there's plenty of uh, stamina here for this horse. It's more just a matter of is he ready for this race yet? Alan, I'll bring you in. I know you're, you're, you're kind of interested in, the, in this horse. What do you think? Yeah, going to the field. It's Tuesday when we when we when we uh, tape this or whatever, and making picks this early out. Unless you're a pedigree expert like Jessica is, uh, you, you want to take a bit of a wait and see approach. But when you factor in the price and the potential pace, and the fact that Brad Cox has liked this horse for a long time, we've all been kind of waiting on that next performance. But type of shoes, it feels like he's gradually getting better. And the, the, sometimes these in these mile and a half races. Uh, the, these closers, that, that, that closing kick will flatten out on them. I, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen this time, but when you, when you factor in pr- pace and price and the horse that's gradually improving, I, I would say Tappet Shoes would be on, on my ticket. On, on a small ticket, I would definitely have him on there. That's, that's just me. I could see him running seventh, chasing, chasing the Baffert horse home or something like that. But at, at 15, at 15, 18, 20 to one, I'm interested. I'll put it that way. Jessica, is it? Somewhat surprising, or one of the more surprising developments over the last ten years, that Tappet is the sire of four classic winners going a mile and a half. Yeah, I think it is. I actually, um, I've been working most of the day on a YouTube video for Trust the Profits about exactly that topic. Hmm. Um, so it's funny you say that. But yeah, you know, 2014, the big question all over the internet and anybody talking about it was about tonalist. Can a Tappet get a mile and a half? And, you know, it really, to me, it wasn't until Taprit won because his uh, female family, like the female side of his family was very sprint oriented. He was out of successful appeal mayor who was best at seven furlongs to a mile, mile and a 16th that once he won the Belmont, it was like, okay, yeah, Taprit is a stamina influence. The first two, um, 
journalist and creator, they both had stamina on the bottom. So you could kind of be like, oh, well, maybe maybe it's not tap it, but it's tap it. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. happen four times uh, without it meaning well, something. It's all right. Because, I mean, early on, the, the main characteristic that a lot of tappets possessed was they were all insane between the years. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't relax early, which is, you know, the, that that type of horse does does no bueno in the in the Belmont Stakes. But, uh, you know, here we are years later, and yeah, now he's looking to Cyrus fifth, has a big chance to Cyrus fifth uh, winner of this race. So Yeah, two-thirds uh, of the field are either by Tappet or out of Tappet mares. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's insane. So, uh, of course, next is Tappet Trice, and, uh, another son of Tappet, and the winner of the Bluegrass Stakes, seventh in the Kentucky Derby. At a depressed nine to two, Jessica, what's uh, what would say you on Tappet Trice? Well, I mean, like everybody else, you see this the way this horse kind of just grinds out and keeps getting better as the races get longer. And you think Belmont, he's out of a mare by Dunkirk, who finished second in the Belmont, and she was a really nice uh, daughter of Dunkirk. Dunkirk was a little bit disappointing as a stallion, but uh, Danza Trice, this mare, was a three-time stakes winner, so she was a good one and. This actually, more distantly, is the family of horses like Mission Impassable is a pretty nice horse. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, this horse is definitely – I like him a lot in this spot, but I just worry after that Kentucky Derby effort if maybe the price is going to end up being too short. That's, that's what I was saying off there, right, CC. It's like people have been saying for months and months this because of the way the horse runs – this is the Belmont horse. This is the Belmont horse with his style. We all thought that. But now coming off a, a nine-length defeat in the Derby where he really didn't run, and people are still going to have that mindset. I think it's why he's three to one in the morning line. I, I'm, I agree with Jessica, right? It's like he's going to be a little too short for what, for what the Derby performance told us, that he should be that short of a price going on uh, what people have believed for months. I don't think they're going to let that get out of their head. So, I mean, what would be an acceptable price that you would think that would be fair for him uh, Jessica, I feel like I would probably even like if I could get like four to one, nine to two. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And something else too, I would just mention to CC too. It's like Luis Saez always has to be in a drive on this horse early on, right? When he's just going simply going a mile and sixteenth, is he going to be in a drive for an entire ten, uh, twelve furlongs? I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but he he works his tail off getting home at a mile and sixteenth, mile and eighth. He's getting a couple extra furlongs. I mean, that's going to Wear that man out if that's the case, but uh, I'm with you. Four to one, nine to two, I, I would be a little more interested, but we'll see. Number three is Archangelo, eight to one morning line for Jenna Antonucci. This horse is a new shooter, son of Arrogate out of a Tappet mare, and uh, Jessica, take it away. I love this horse. This horse is the Belmont bred horse, as far as I'm concerned, in this race. Uh, Arrogate, uh, obviously, Never ran at a mile and a half, but he was plenty good at a mile and a quarter. And Unbridled Song had Dunkirk, who was second in the Belmont. Airgate's damn sire, distorted humor. Generally more of a middle distance type of sire, but he did get, um, oh my goodness gracious, he Belmont Stakes winner Drosselmeyer um, was his Belmont Stakes winner. And But the big part here with Archangelo is his female family. His Third dam, better than honor, is the dam of Jazzle and Rags to Riches, as well as hmm. um, Breeders' Cup Marathon winner, Man of Iron, and Casino Drive, who was scratched the morning of the Belmont back in uh, 2008. There's a few other stakes winners come from that line. Greatest Honor, that was on the uh, Triple Crown Trail a few years ago, hails from that line. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, I mean, if you go back another mare or two, the, there's – Literally a hundred plus stakes winners, uh, really good horses coming from this female family. This is actually a horse I did a, a video on for Trust the Prophets, um, that I've already done that you can look up about, um, specifically that female family going back to best in show. And a $35,000 purchase. How, how nice of an investment that might, but if you think the horse can run the way uh, you think he's going to run, that's a hell of an investment, isn't it? 35 grand. I feel like it already has been. Oh yeah. I mean, you okay. have the Peter Pan winner, and, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, he has to prove that he's on this level. This is a big class test for him. But I think he'll be in a good position. I don't think he's going to be too far back. And I think he's a very talented horse. And the fact that Jenna Antonucci decided to go on to this spot with him, I know that they weren't really sure 
off the Peter Pan, whether they were definitely going to head this way or not. I really think this horse has a big chance, and I feel like eight to one would be pretty fair. He ran the last three eights in that in the Peter Pan. He ran the last three eights in thirty six seconds. He ran the last eight in in about twelve. That's that's moaning for that that kind of distance on dirt. So, yeah, you've got me interested. You got me interested, Jessica. I think yeah. if you get if you get past the potential for regression off the big race, you know, I mean, he's he's one of the ones. And let's face it, if I may mention this, you're going to you know why you're going to get a price, Jessica. And I'm sure you agree with this, right? Who do we got? We got three by Brad Cox in this race. We got one by Bob Baffert. We got two by Todd Pletcher, and we got Jenna Antonucci, right? Who's a wonderful horsewoman, but people don't know her like they do the guys I just mentioned. So yeah, exactly. If you you're like her, you're gonna get you're gonna get rewarded because of um, name recognition, you know. So for, for both the horse and the trainer. Yeah, exactly. And like Archangelo being by Arrogate, you kind of expect that he's going to get better a little later in this season. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm he I'm very interested and I will definitely be using him in some way. Number four, National Treasure, who is the reigning Preakness Stakes winner for Bob Baffert. John Velasquez takes the mount. And your thoughts on National Treasure? He's one I'm I really have a t- tough time getting a feel for. Um I kind of felt this way going into the Preakness just as a horse. I just don't know how good he is. But then he ran in the Preakness, and he put in a huge performance and ran much better than I really thought he would. So I feel like you have to give him a chance in here. Um, the fact that he is tactical and will probably be the horse on the lead in here uh, is is an interesting thing because it's, it's hard to go wire to wire in the Belmont. You want a horse that's tactical and is going to be close. You don't want to be coming from out of the clouds, really. But in since 2001, the only – uh, horses to take the Belmont Gate to Wire were the two Triple Crown winners and Datara, who kind of won that race by default when Big Brown didn't fire. So I think there's there's going to be a lot better horses coming at National Treasure than we're trying to run into Datara, and I don't think he's you know on the level of a horse like American Pharaoh or Justify. Yeah, this 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 is a solid Belmont field. I mean, the Preakness field was, eh, you know, was, you know. Hats off from the winning, but, uh, like I say, he's not facing the Tatars in here. He's not facing Sarava and Ruler on Ice, right? And, and Creator and those guys. This, this, you're going to have to earn this one. So I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm torn on, I'm torn on this one. Yeah. Now, and I mean, there's not a ton of, sorry. sorry. Uh, there's not a ton of stamina on the bottom of his pedigree either. That's his name was a half to four stakes winners and none of those nine combined stakes wins came at a distance greater than seven furlongs. Really? Quality Road, um, you know they can they can get a a distance, but do they really want you know a mile and a half? I don't think so. And even though um, his damn sire Daglio de Oro was second in the Belmont as a three year old, I feel like his offspring tend to be better. Kind of like mile and an eighth is really their sweet spot. That he can definitely. I mean, he has um, a Breeders' Cup turf winner, so. It's not that I mean, Degliadora can't get 12 furlongs or anything like that, but especially with um, the Merrick herself and that female family, I'm not sure that this is really screaming. You know, I think a mile and a quarter will be fine. He was fine at a mile and three sixteenths, but is a mile and a half of kind of a bit too far. And then you factor this in. You, you think a mile and a half might be too far for this horse on top of the fact that he really had to. Uh, dig in bulldog style in the Preakness, which had to be kind of a bit of a, what we would argue a taxing effort or whatever. So do you think those two things combined, you think that, that is maybe too much to get a mile and a half? Is that what it is? Yeah, exactly. I think that adds to it for sure. The fact that he's coming off that hard race. And I mean, if, if anybody can get him to do it, it's Bob Baffert, but I just, I'm not sure. Alan, what, uh, are you looking at Briz? Yes, I'm looking at Briz. I'm a Briz was, guy, by the way. Yes. What was National Treasures, uh, Briz and the Preakness? It was a 100 with a late pace figure of 107. Uh, okay. 100 solid. Uh, the, the par for, the par for the Belmont. Of course, sometimes when you get into these, uh, these speed figures at, at these longer distances, particularly like on turf, you'll get some whack with some wonky numbers, but par for this is 104. But, uh, he, he did, he did post a 100. In the Preakness. Okay. I want, I, he earned a 98 buyer 
uh, in the Preakness. And I just wondered how fake that figure was because they went so slow early. Yeah. That time doesn't necessarily stack up to previous Preakness runnings, but, uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm against this horse. If you can't tell by now, but anyway, (laughs) moving on. Can I make one more comment there with with Jessica in love with Archangelo here? This is worth noting. In the Peter Pan, Archangelo's late pace figure on Briz was a 122, which is insane. You will see that occasionally with some marathon turf horses who go really slow early and fly late. You rarely see that on dirt. Now, I don't know what to make of that, to be honest with you, because it is such a bizarre number, but a 122 late pace fig for a particular horse that was on the lead and fighting and stuff is is pretty impressive. So uh, I I personally find that interesting. It may mean absolutely nothing. It could be just a – an anomalous number, but anyway, just like you might want to know that. Number five is Il Maricolo, and son of Gunrunner out of Tappet Mare, trained by Antonio Santos, excuse me, Antonio Sano, Marcos Manasis, 30 to 1 on the board. Je- Jessica. <laughs> yeah, Mark. I mean, he's pretty good. Um, I, I didn't, don't have a whole lot to say about this horse. He's the same, right on the same exact cross gun runner over Tappet as Red Route 1, but he's not quite as, not nearly as well bred as Red Route 1. His dam was, uh, multiple stakes placed going eight and a half furlongs, and his second dam was, a uh, graded stakes winner, but there's not a whole lot there. Uh, his, his dam's a half to Conquest Curlinate, who I think was a graded stakes placed. Uh, second in the Peter Pan was Conquest Curlinate. So, I mean, there's, there's some quality here, but nothing really saying, aside from just tap it, that this horse really is going to be much of a threat in here. I agree with that. And there's even less on paper, really, to suggest that. Right. Base player, right? Maybe he, he may he may set the, the race uh, off if, if he does, because he went a 45 half last time going a mile. And maybe he jacks up national treasure a little bit. But, yeah, you're right. All right, next. Now, here we go. Getting a number six, Forte. Unless you've been under a rock, this is the horse. First of all, he's a two-year-old champion. Was on a five-race win streak coming into the Derby and then had to scratch or was forced to scratch because of a hoof injury. And here we are, this horse coming into this race off a 10-week, almost said 10-month, off off a 10-week layoff. And I'm very curious to see what uh, Jessica says. I am too. Let's hear Jessica. Yeah, so I've been on the record playing before about talking how much I love Forte's pedigree just in general, but I don't think I love it for a mile and a half. And as much as I think that he is the best horse in this race, I feel like he is a very prime candidate to look really good at a certain point in the race and then just get flat late. Flat. Mm-hmm. And – He's by violence, which kind of a bit of a question mark. I kind of already talked about how I'm not. I don't love Medaglia Oro going a super route of ground. Um, and then his dam was a winner at eight furlongs, who never, uh, I don't believe, went further than that. So it's hard to say. Blame, of course, could win at 10 furlongs. Forestry, you kind of tend to think a little bit shorter um, on the bottom there. But I just feel like, I feel like Mike Rapoli wants to win this race with this horse more than Todd Fletcher wants to win this race with this horse. I see that. Um, I'm just not sure that this is the right spot for him um, as far as just the distance. I worry a little bit about it. And I just, you know, people have been talking about this horse ever since right before the Derby about him kind of having some issues and stuff. And I try not to, like, I feel like you can't just, you have to either believe these things or not and I just kind of choose to assume that I can't question what Todd Fletcher is doing with like oh is the horse like fit and stuff like that so but even assuming he's 100% on his game I just think I think you can't leave him off and if he's happens to float up if people are skeptical of him and he floats up to like seven to two I'd be all over him, but as the favorite, I'm not sure he's trustworthy in here. Did you did you like him on the, with before the the 
we all know that the rumors started to fly about a day, day and a half before the Derby, right? That something was amiss. Maybe he's in a couple days prior. I can't remember now. Uh, did you like him on Derby Day to win the race? He was before? my Derby horse. Yeah. Yes. So I, like I on Wednesday of Derby day. Week, on Wednesday of Derby Week, you, he was your he was your pick, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Just so, but it wouldn't surprise you if he flattened out in the last furlong, furlong and a half to be the super effective third, fourth place horse or something. Is that what you're, that's the way you're kind of. Yeah. Thinking? That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from him. I feel like I wouldn't One, even be surprised if he has the lead coming into the stretch. Um, I think he can be more tactical than he has been lately. Um, but I, I just can't trust him. Yeah, and you know, as, as we're sitting here talking, you know, we, we I think CC just alluded to the fact that he's uh that he's only he's run for ten weeks now due to the, the fact he couldn't run the Derby and they skipped the Preakness. But you know, when you, we think about, it, I think we have a tendency to overlook this. He's only had two starts this year, you know, so he's going to have to try to get this mile and a half off of two starts and essentially March. I mean, the one was April first. I'm not saying that he can't do it, but the more I think about it, I have a little. It gives me a little more caution, you know. I, I, we have a tendency to forget this horse has only ran twice and since November fourth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so those are good points. Those are great points. So as of right now, you, you can't pick him on the win end at that price, right? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, if the race rolls around and he looks good in the post parade, you know, he got hot before the Florida Derby. But if he looks like on his toes without getting hot, uh, doesn't look anxious or anything, then maybe five to two is good enough for me. You know, it's one of those things I do tend to like to look at how horses are warming up in the post parade, especially for these big races, see how they're handling the crowd and stuff. But yeah, as of right now, I feel like he's just going to be too short for me to really have as a, you know, like a straight win bet or something. Gotcha. Okay. Number seven is hit show 10 to one morning line for Brad Cox. Son of candy ride out of a tap it mare. Have I heard that before? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but so, uh, horse okay. ran. Well, I'm just going to say real quick, a horse ran really well in the Derby, I thought. Made a middle move uh, and, and flattened out late. But I thought uh, maybe this horse has some potential. Yeah, I was a little um, – I wasn't sure what to make of Hit Show in the Kentucky Derby. He was one of those ones who I was like, no, I don't like him, but also he wouldn't shock me. Um, but he was really impressed with how he ran, like you said. And um, he's definitely – I think the distance will be okay for him. You know, that tap it on the bottom, candy ride doesn't hurt. His dam was a graded stakes winner at nine furlongs. Um, she probably didn't want to go quite 10 furlongs. She actually ran in the Alabama and flattened out a bit, finished fourth that day. But she was out of a Canadian champion three-year-old filly who was uh, three times placed in stakes races at a mile and a 16th to a mile and a quarter. And she finished third in Canada's Queen's Plate and second in the Alabama. So I'm not that worried um, about the distance for Hit Show. I think that he's another one who uh, might be a little bit closer than uh, some of the others in here, and I think that would be good for him. He's he's interesting. He, he stuck around kind of in the Derby better than most of the others did also, except for, like, two fills, obviously. But he's on my radar. It's fair to say. I think this horse is going to break through at some point. We, this this might be one of those horses where you just wait and wait and wait, and he's finally going to win. And he'll probably be, he'll win when I'm off of him eventually. So, <laughs> but uh, he'll be on my tickets for sure. And mm-hmm. then uh, we move on to the third of the Brad Cox trio, Angel of Empire, seven to two morning line for Flavian Pratt, third place in the Derby. Yeah, he I he I'm almost more I just I just have no idea what to think about him in this race honestly I I really love his pedigree I've written about him in my blog before I'm you know classic empire won the preakness so there's you know a mile and a quarter probably isn't an issue there but I worry a little bit about the mile and a half because of the bottom half of his pedigree um to honor and serve I don't think he wanted to go further than nine furlongs and then uh angel of empire's dam is out of a mare by carson city who was a sprinter. So I don't know. He is, he was coming at the end of the Derby, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be coming at the end of the Belmont. Uh, I could, you know, just mean that there was a fast pace in the Derby and he closed into it. Uh, so I just, he's a really good horse and he doesn't, you know, the way he runs doesn't seem like he would have distance limitations, but I just wonder if maybe his closing kick will be compromised a little bit here. 
I, I don't know. He's another one who, where if he looks really good in the post parade, I might jump onto him. But as of right now, I'm kind of leaning against. You know, Jessica, I was, I was hoping you would maybe point me in a direction with this horse because I want to pick this horse. You know, he was my derby pick, and uh, CC and I will still will still tell you when we were on the backside of Derby Week when he 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 has workout and he galloped up. We were too far on the past wire. Anybody back there will tell you he looked like a million dollars. Uh, going by, I said they look that horse like he could run through a brick wall after running two miles. Um, w- when we watched the Derby, we were on the backside of the Derby. We we didn't even know what was going on because you can't see from the backside. We knew the horse. There was a closer that won the Derby. I was hoping it was Angel of Empire. It wasn't. But watching the replay, he did run well. Don't get me wrong. He ran well in that fast pace. What what gives me some optimism for him is the fact really late in the race, he did surge like one last time. You know, it could be the fact mm-hmm. that the top two were tired, but, you know, Mage did pass him. He did surge a little bit late. I'm torn. I want to pick the horse, but then I come back to, like, what you said earlier about honor and – I see honor and serve on the bottom. I think Myler with honor and serve, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I am torn. I think on this – if this horse on his best day maybe the better ride, though, I thought Flavian Pratt gave him a fine ride, that he theoretically could win this. But, um, once again, I'm always hesitant to take deep closers – in mile and a half races on, on as they stretch out because that 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 kick has a tendency to dull. I'd rather have a horse like a Taprit that is mm-hmm. up on the close and the pace can just kind of out finish out finish horses. So I was hoping you would t- push me in the direction because I really like this horse, but you know, we'll see. I've got five days to figure it out. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll exactly. See. He's he's a tough one, and I don't think and he might not necessarily be as far back as he was in like the risen star or the Arkansas Derby or the Kentucky Derby. He's had, he has races to go back to where he was closer and in a slower pace. I, so that's where I'm also like, I could, I could make a case either way for this horse, honestly. And he's the kind of horse, if I end up choosing him, he's going to lose. And if I don't, then he's going to win. And I have no idea what to do with him. And he's he's getting blinkers. Maybe the intent is to keep him a little closer, it, because we are in the, we are in the in the Belmont and that race at, at Oakland, the Arkansas Derby. He's only seven seven by five lengths. Maybe the the, 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 the Flavian Pratt's had uh, experience on him now. Maybe they're going to try to keep him closer. And in that case, maybe he can't stay as opposed to kick. So we'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see. I hadn't heard that he was uh, getting blinkers. That is very interesting. That's what Briss had to tell me. I'm staring at it right now. So yeah, DRF has the same thing. Gotcha. I haven't had a chance to look at the actual form yet, just the entries. So that is that's interesting. It is. It is. Just another reason to not know what to think about it. Exactly. Just to further confound us, correct? Exactly. Last horse in the Belmont field, Red Route 1, son of Gunrunner, out of a Tappet Mare. And then, uh, this is, uh, he's trained by Steve Asbuson for Joel Rosario. Fourth place finish in the Preakness. Prior to that, he won the Bathhouse Row Stakes. So if you're ever in Hot Springs, you need to check out Bathhouse Row. It's pretty cool. So that's all I've got to say about this horse. But go ahead. Yeah, Red Route 1 is, um, you know, I don't think that the distance is going to hurt him, but I think that his running style might mm-hmm. because he is very much a closer with a kick. He mile has a, and 16th horse. He is a mile and 16th kick, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't think that, um, I don't think that I like him in this spot. Uh, he, he was closer in the Preakness, but he was also duller in the Preakness after that. So you kind of wonder if taking him, taking him out of his game doesn't work. Uh, you know, he does have a really interesting pedigree because, uh, his dam was a half to, um, Patio Prado and a full sister to Untappable. So, you know, there's clearly quality here. Uh, there's tons of stakes winners going back to, like, his fourth damn Carol's Christmas uh, for the Winchell family. So, I mean, it's a it's a great pedigree. He's a really nice colt, but I don't think he's a Belmont horse. Yeah, this, this is the horse I'm a little fond of. I've got, I got a little, I'm a little uh, soft on this horse. But as we just mentioned, Jessica, I believe this – if I own the horse, I would never go past a mile and the 16th of this horse. Uh, he is a legitimate – He's like this poster child to me for when you try to explain to like novice horse players how the fur- people think the further you go, the, if you're a closer, the better you are, and that's not the way it works. It's just like human beings when they run in races. You might have to be able to kick by somebody who's 100 yards ahead of you if you're a runner. If you can accelerate past them, if you go 10 miles, 
you can't accelerate past. You'll just you'll eventually you may eventually pass them, but that's that's what you try to explain to people. And uh, this horse has notched out a great career so far. This horse has won seven thirty thousand dollars, and the horse tough as hickory, going to have plenty of opportunity. He may be a, win two million dollars by the time they hang it up, but. Exactly. If I'm going to take a closer in a race like this, I would take an Angel of Empire. Mm-hmm. And I love Red Rod one. I just, I just think the mile and a half is, he dances every dance. I just think a mile and a half is not quite his game. I'm, I'm with you there. I, was, I thought maybe pedigree wise, you may, maybe you might like him a little bit, but apparently you're, you're not that keen on him in this spot. Right? Yeah. I mean, the pedigree says that, you know, a mile and a quarter, even maybe a mile and a half shouldn't be a problem, but it, the horse himself to me, I just I, I think he could get a mile and a quarter, especially, you know, come next year. I think this is a dangerous horse next year. Yeah. But um, right now, I don't think that uh, I think that the mile and a half is going to compromise his kick. All right. Okay. Money, money time. That's the field. So we're going to go around the table. Everybody, I guess, give a give a horse that you like the most. And for the horizontal junkies like myself. <laughs> give uh, the horses that you need to use. So uh, we'll start with Jessica and then just work our way around. I think, you know, like I said, I haven't looked at the form yet uh, specifically. And sometimes I feel like I visualize races better when I actually have things like the writing in front of me rather than just, oh, I know these horses. But as of, you know, 7 p.m. on Tuesday evening, I think Archangelo is going to be my top pick. Um but um, you then you, you have to use Tappet Trice, I think. I think you have to use Forte. And then if you were to spread, I would also include Hit Show, Angel of Empire, like literally, you know, two thirds of the field, if I could, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, National Treasure wouldn't surprise me. I feel like the, the only safe tosses are the, the two hopeless long shots in Red Route 1. Like, I think everybody else in this race, everyone 10 to 1 or lower has a chance, but uh, I would not leave Archangelo off under any circumstances. I think he's I think he's really good. I, I hate making selections in a race like this because I think I always feel like the Belmont is, is – there's a touch of guessing game, too. We always know the mm-hmm. Derby is a touch of a guessing game, but the mile and a quarter for three-year-olds, mile and a half is a whole new ball game. And uh, so it, it's always tough. Generally, you know, just pick Todd Pletcher. Sometimes that works out. Before I get into who I actually think I might very tentatively select this far out, I'm going to get, ask you a couple of questions, Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, who finishes – got a gun to your head. Who finishes ahead of each other, Tampa Trice or Forte? Ooh. I don't care who wins, who beats who. Ooh, that's a very good question. I know. I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, and I don't know what the answer is. I think I would take Tappet Trice because I think you can trust Tappet Trice more. Okay. That no matter what happens, Tappet Trice is going to run his race. Forte, I wouldn't be surprised if Forte just threw in a clunker here. As much as I, you know, I've talked him up earlier. Yeah, so to be clear, we're not saying who wins. Again, you got the gun to your head. Who's going to beat who in a head-to-head competition or whatever? Exactly. I get that logic. I, I understand that logic. I can see you can make the argument that Forte may be more likely to win win the race, mm-hmm. but to, but to, to out finish who. The other question. Exactly. Would, yeah, the other question I would have for you three: Brad Cox's three runners in here is Tappet Shoes, there's Angel of Empire, and there's Hit Show, and they all have their own merits and all have different running styles. Again. Who picked that trifecta? Just the, the three Brad Cox horses. Who, who one, two, three? How they? What, what order do they finish in? Well, I think Tappet Shoes gets beat uh, the most. Okay. And then between the other two, I think I'd give the edge to Hit Show. Okay, I like it. I like it. I can see your point there. I, I can see it, and I think you're gonna get eleven, twelve to one out of him, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think I think his style will fit him better, even though, you know, maybe Angel Empire will be closer with the blinkers. And he's the improving horse who, who could be coming in on a to a good effort. Uh well and with that said, again, five days out, I'm I'm not a mile and a half dirt expert in, in New York by any stretch of imagination. I am leaning to Angel of Empire once again because I can't I can't get that work out of my head that I saw on Derby Day. Uh, I'm 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 hoping maybe the blinkers can keep him closer pace. I I, I 
but Tampa shoes may end up being my uh, a price. When he's if he's twenty twenty five to one, I, I got visions of Taprit with him in my head. You know, laying up close mm-hmm. and just out finishing down a stretch. So you know, price matters. Those are the two I'm thinking. But uh, and then again, I, I'm like you. I like Archangelo an awful lot. Boy, you, I liked him already. Listening to you talk and then thinking about the Jen Ananushi thing, the horse can get overlooked a little bit. Blah blah blah. So. If you give me three horses, I'm taking those three. And as far as the key horse underneath, I, I'm going to probably consider Forte. I, I, I'm like you. I believe Forte may hit a, hit the slowly hit a wall down a stretch and maybe kind of third, fourth, something like that. You know, one pace late. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. CC? Well, I'm tossing Forte. And as, as the, Off the win end? Or off everywhere. Off the yeah, I'm sure you can hit the board. But the wagering, I, I might, you know, consider tossing out the exacta. But the wa- the wagering pundits will tell you that if you can toss out the morning line favorite, of course, then this is a good betting race. So yeah, I'm tossing Forte off the ten week layoff and uh, the sketchy uh, the sketchy injuries and whatnot. But uh, uh, yeah, Tappet Trice would be my top pick. I just think he's uh, he he's probably the best horse in the race. Uh, but uh, horses like Archangelo worry me. Uh, the, I think there's a chance he could bounce, but if you get 10 or 12 to 1 on him, then then he's obviously worth using. And Hit Show is the other one that I like. Uh, a horse looks like the type that could grind out a, a board finish. And, of course, Angel of Empire, I like him a little bit too. But, uh, yeah, tap a trice on top, and then we'll try to maybe crush an exacta or something like that and maybe get a lot to, the, to that horse in the pick four. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Right. So what's ex- what's acceptable on Tappet Trice? To win? Uh, five to two, three to one. Okay. Okay. It seems like I had one more question for Jessica. I can't think. You you made me think of a question. I can't think of what it is now. But another one of those what if kind of questions. But uh, no love for National Treasure. Then from what I'm hearing. Yeah, I. He could beat me again. He beat me in the preview because I didn't trust the California form. So now he's proven it, and he's probably going to win because I don't think he can take the field gate to wire. But I don't think he can take the field gate to wire. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be surprised and probably a little bit disappointed if he wins this Belmont. I just, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of the horse. I think he's a couple. Let me let me ask you guys this then. You, nobody thinks he win. When he gets so obviously he does win, he's going to get passed, so to speak. Does he get what does he stop or does he just kind of put in a respectable effort? Third by two effort. I don't think I don't think he'll stop, um, but I don't think I don't think he hits the board, which is probably too bold. But (laughs) well, I got another question real quick. Uh, Nine horses are scheduled to go. We saw what happened on Derby Day when we lost. I don't know. They dropped like flies in the last couple of days for a variety of reasons. Do we get nine in the gate? Sure, hope so. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I think that'd be nice. And do you have a favorite Belmont winner of all time? Outside of sec- – can't say Secretariat. Oh, gosh. Um, probably easygoer. Oh, oh, no. Stop. She stole your pick. <laughs> she stole your pick. Did I? No. No. That's the worst Belmont of all time. Yes. Oh, so mad that day. Oh, it was awful. It's I can only imagine. New York's easy goer. How old are you, Jessica? How old are you? I am 29. So, so you... easy goer was actually before my time, but that's a rivalry of series of races. I watched a ton and I became an easy goer fan uh, after the fact. I was a Sunday Silence fan, but I mean, I, I've got nothing against Easy Goer. He oh. finally turned the tables that day. Looking mm-hmm. back at Easy, what Easy Goer did during his three-year-old campaign after the Belmont, he won the Whitney. He won the Whitney, not the Jim Dandy. He won the Whitney against older horses. He won the Travers, then he won the Suburban, and then he won the Mile and a Half Jockey Club Gold Cup, and then he came back to finish second to Sunday Silence in the Classic. That was a hell of a three-year-old campaign. He should have won Champion Older Horse that year. Because he beat all the <laughs> Right. That's if I feel like, you know, if Sunday Silence didn't exist, people would be talking about Easy Goer in the same breath as Secretariat with that three year old season he put together. That's a good yeah. point. Well, either yeah. or. Either yeah, or. Yeah, either or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You take out one or the other. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but. Well, I just, and I think that, you know, if it was the other way around, Sunday Silence would be, you know, a respected Triple Crown winner. 
but I don't think it would he didn't have quite the the brilliance yes. in like the way that Easygoer put together just so many fast races. Um and you know they were basically all in New York, but I think that it's just the impact that Easygoer would have had if um you know if Sunday Silence doesn't exist, then you have this horse who who broke all of these, you know, ran all these fast races, put together. He's I think he's the only horse to sweep the Grade Ones in New York on the Naira Circuit in a single year like that. So that's that's why he's my favorite Belmont winner. They were Thanks. going to meet. That was the 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 saddest thing. The following year, they were going to meet at Arlington sometime in July or August. For a $1 million race, it was called the, I forgot what the, the name of it was, but uh, both of them got injured prior to that race. And I think Lucas wound up with a horse that beat them both. Uh, uh, if you remember Criminal Type. Criminal Type. Criminal Type, yes. Type won the Met Mile. And he beat, gosh, he beat Housebuster too, an easy goer in the Met Mile. And then he shipped West and beat Sunday Silence in the Hollywood Gold Cup. It was insane. Just, I mean, that horse got good. And I think he went on to win at Whitney. But he then he got injured too. It was like the one of the worst Breeders' Cup classics of all time. But, <laughs> but I take that back. I think Unbridled won the classic, so that was a nice horse too. So yeah, but what could have been was just uh, it was ridiculous. But uh, yeah, yeah, I never knew that they were supposed to race each other at four in that spot. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was anticipated. I think they Arlington went on and had the went on ran the race, but it was like for two hundred fifty thousand. I think or <laughs> Bo Genius. Alan? Bo Genius, yes, I remember I think that. Bo Genius won the race. He was like a sprinter, a seven long horse he ran here, but he went on and won the race. But anyway, I could talk about this all day. Old, so pe- yeah. old people memories, Jessica, old people right. memories. Right. <laughs> yeah, one more thing. Whittingham worked uh, Sunday Silence as a four-year-old. I think he worked a mile in like 134. <laughs> There's something really? ridiculous. Wow. 134? He, he, he works faster than most horses run. <laughs> Wow. He was doing that. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, all right. That's enough of that. So, anyway, that's uh, this, this was a lot of fun. Jessica, appreciate you taking the time and talking to us. And uh, uh, yeah, love to hear you need to go through these pedigrees. And hopefully, we'll have you on a whole lot more in the future. And uh, wish you well. Wish you well in your pending. Uh, I was going to say mutuals, pending mutuals, and pending <laughs> nuptials. They're both important. They're both important. Both important. Yeah, exactly. Especially for Archangelo, right? Yeah, exactly. let's hope so. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you pick out some uh, some winners this fall and 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 plan some good matings as well. So anyway, thank you for your time, Jessica, and and as I said, wish you well going forward. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and happy to come back anytime. Okay, that was Jessica Tugwell. And we're very very glad that she joined us. She's uh, she's excellent. She's an excellent talker, excellent communicator. I oh yeah, well that, that's one of the things that really strikes in addition on her stuff. As a, she has a great podcast voice and very confident. Uh, lo- love her delivery and uh, love her info. You know, all this talk about pedigrees and, and going, you know, a mile and a half versus shorter distances made me think. What's what's your favorite uh, Chinese buffet in Louisville? What? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I, I don't think I've eaten a Chinese buffet in God, 15 years around here and stuff. Uh, there's uh, one, there's one right next to show, not, uh, the Stony Brook Cinemas. I can't remember. It's been the, oh, that's a garbage. Oops, is sorry. That, is it Jumbo, bad? Jumbo Buffet. Me and the, my, Jumbo my, Buffet? My wife and I went there like 10 years ago. Maybe it was, maybe I have been one the last 10 years and we thought it was awful. Well, all right, let's, let's it, it could have been a one-off situation. So I don't, I don't like disparaging businesses on, you know, such worldwide. Uh, a show such as this. We've got reach. We got reach. They they love us in Ireland. Yeah, apparently, well, apparently Russia as well. Yeah, they they love us there. You're right about that. So the the question, the question du jour, as they say, uh, would you fare better at a Chinese buffet with tighter turns, or like a Golden Corral, which is just like a straightaway, maybe <laughs> like a little bend. You know, like a right-handed bend and a left-hand, like a Santa Anita turf course. Or would you do better at a tighter, tighter turn Chinese buffet? Oh, I got it. I think I've been a Golden Corral like once, twenty-five years ago. Uh, probably the the tighter turns of the Chinese buffet, because you know sometimes some of see, I see the stuff you eat at the Golden Corral. As I remember, maybe there's some of the people who sneeze into this stuff and 
I might not finish the race is what I'm getting at with the people with their hands and so, so on and so forth. So I guess I'll take the Chinese buffet in that. Maybe. See, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I would lose steam in, at Golden Crabs going in straight away. Yeah. You know, but, but like I said, the, uh, the, uh, the tighter turns of, of the Chinese buffet, I may fare better. You know, I've just got, I've got a lot of speed around, is, the, around the buffet. Is Golden Crowd still around? I honestly don't know. Yes, man. Yes. Yeah, really? Yes. It survived COVID somehow. I don't get, I don't get out much. No, I get out much. I just, I just don't remember seeing them. Maybe I just drive right by and don't pay any attention. I think that's why people survived COVID. They ate a golden crowd. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that, that'll do it. They probably grew a, a cure to COVID on its counter. That's you true. know, right there next to the, next to the fondue fountain. Mm -hmm. now, you, now maybe we're going to have to make a trip to Golden Corral, but I doubt it. We'll see. All right. Ellis Park opens on Saturday. And raise I the roof. Raise the roof. Hopefully we can get up to the Sky Theater. Uh, but, uh, Sunday is a big day, actually, uh, $400,000 Matt Wynn stakes. And that is supposed to feature Ray's Kane and Disarm. Disarm fourth in the Derby. Ray's Kane was under consideration for the Belmont stakes. And we got some conflicting reports. Blood Horse says that Two Fields is going to the Ohio Derby. And Daily Racing Form said that they're pointing to the Matt Wynn stake. So I'm kind of interested to see where, if, if, uh, where he shows up. Cause uh, that would be cool if you get the Derby runner up down at Ellis. So I'm yeah. looking forward to that. How much is the Matt Wynn? It's a mile and eighth, right? And how, how much was the purse money there? 400,000. 400,000. I mean, it's a nice chunk of changes. You, I may be going to get a quarter million dollar payday if you could take that. Um, we'll see what he does. Let's see what Mr. Ravelli does. They moved the distance, uh, of course it was a mile and 16th at Churchill, but you can't run that distance at Ellis. It's, it's going to be a one turn at, uh, Ellis is nine furlongs in circumference. So the, the, this will be a, a, a one lap around the track. Yeah. So, and that's, I want people to realize that. So, um, it's like Turfway, right? Turfway has either one mile races or they have mile and eighth races. They don't have that many, or they have mile and a quarter races, but there's no mile and a sixteenth. Turfway will run miles. Turfway does have miles sixteen. That's right. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking of Ellis. Duh. Ellis, Ellis yeah, doesn't. Ellis can run a mile or a mile and eighth, but but no in between. Do they run? They run mile. They've run mile and a quarter races there in the past, haven't they? Yeah, just not very often. Very often, but they can do it, right? They. they it wasn't that long ago. They ran a two. Uh, yeah. Twice around. Remember that? It was uh, uh two and a quarter miles. That was cool. That was back when racing was cooler. <laughs> But yeah, that's they used to run those races all the time. It'd be it's uh, I'm I'm really hoping, and I know you you feel the same way. Again, we talked about it a couple of days ago. Silk purse of a sal's ear. The, the silk purse is Ellis is getting its chance. Ellis is getting its chance with, with Churchill supervision. Say what you want to about Churchill, but they know how to put an event together. So if anybody can pull this nine day turnaround that they're going to have to do, I, I do believe Churchill can do it. Oh, Travis Stone's going to be the announcer there, right? Surely they're going to be in charge of the camera work, and I'm sure a lot of people working around the clock, as we stated a few days ago. But let's hope Ellis, let's hope Ellis and, and their people they pull it off. They've got a new director there this year, right? A new, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but uh, she's getting thrown in the fire. I don't know if she's. I'm sure she. They're working in tandem with her, and for the life of me, I can't think of her name. But uh, hold on, you keep talking. I'll tell you who it is. I'll find out. I don't know what else. Should I talk about music? Should I talk about sports? Should I talk about the Golden Corral or Ryan's? Remember Ryan's? What's your What's your favorite Louisville Steakhouse? A Jeff Ruby's. It would be It would be Jeff. Jeff Ruby's is wonderful. Does, do I need to expound so you can find this woman's name? Well, not only have I found her name, I found a hundred names here, so I don't know which one's which. Whoops, I hit the wrong button. I know she's from Maryland. I think she's a, a Laurel transplant. That gone. It's not important. You don't. You don't no, it's no, not her. I don't know. I give up. Anyway, let's just hope that they, that everything goes well for them and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I, I I cannot say enough how bad the, the previous team was at their job, uh, not their job, but the, the way they managed the place. Remember, well, the guy, the guys last year did a good job. I mean, you know, Vince Gabbard and those guys. Well, no, not, Vince, that, I'm not talking. I'm talking to upper management, like the yeah, guys exactly. that owned the place. That, that they they did nothing. Remember the uh, the 
the receiving barn burned down? Was it two years yes. ago? Yes. And, and the horse that got loose on the highway, and then they put they put him in the uh, receiving barn, and the receiving barn burned down that night. And they never did replace it. They just collected the the insurance money if, the, well, if they got any, and, and, and pocketed it. And then and there's just a big space there, and now there's no receiving barn. So stuff like that just drove me batty, and just the way they they you know neglected the place. It was it was sad. No no capital in, infrastructure at all except the the slots parlor. Yes. But we are hoping, we are hoping that changes. We don't know anything. We don't, we haven't seen, but we only always, I always try to remain positive. A lot of people, there's a lot of negative people who just love to play this game, just love to be negative. I'm never going to be one. I guess I'm just not that, not that degenerate kind of like negative person or whatever, but I, I am hoping, I am hoping that they, that they pull off a good meet. That's all I have. Same here. All right. Let's wrap it up on behalf of Brandon Jaggers, who is absent this evening. Of course, Jessica Tugwell, give her a follow on Twitter. And Alan Schneider, thousands and thousands of others in the control room and across the nation and in Ireland and Russia. <laughs> this is CC Broadus. In the immortal words of Jerry Romans, no son of violence will ever win the Kentucky Derby. He does say that. And the Belmont. Did he say it about the Belmont? I probably. And he also said... We're not happy till you're not happy or something like that. Good night.